But, um, so guys, you know, one of my favorite things in life is early mornings. Now, some of you guys are like, nope, not mine at all. But I love early mornings. I really do. I love getting up early and just sitting outside in the summertime, watching the birds do all the things that birds do, drinking my coffee while the kids are still sleeping, praise God. And, you know, and just being able to just have all that quiet. I also enjoy, you know, just um, in, in the wintertime, when the snow is falling and you're just kind of standing there and just watching the snow fall and it's just still. You can almost like hear everything and hear nothing at the exact same time. Like I love that. Like it's great. Or even, you know, when you're out hunting and you're watching the sunrise come up over the mountain and you're in between naps as the deer comes right in front of you and you forget that you were actually hunting that morning. But whatever it might be, In any of those circumstances, there is just a stillness that is unmatched. And the title of today's message is, In the Stillness. In the Stillness. Now, I imagine that any or all of those things that I mentioned there, something about those probably rings true to us individually on some level, right? Right? Like, oh man, I love it when it's just quiet. I love the early morning here, or I love that, or I love all these things. Something in there went, whenever I mentioned one of those things, I bet we all kind of went, ooh, yeah, actually, I do really like that. And even if not, I'm sure that you have the other things that you love where you just find peace and stillness in your life. And the unfortunate reality, though, is that many of us have so many things going on in our lives on a consistent basis that we literally can't be still, right? I mean, think about it. Some of us have so much going on that the moment we wake up, we're going and we can't be still. We may have relationship issues. We might have work issues. There might be a family crisis. There might be political concerns. There might actually be literal fires happening or wars or rumors of wars. At this time of year, we may have holiday stress. You name it. And a lot of us have these moments in these areas of our lives where we just can't be still. Right? Maybe it's just me, but I have a feeling it's probably all of us. When those things are present in our minds, when those things are really just kind of, you know, kind of weighing heavily on us, you could be standing out there alone, properly dressed, watching it with a warm cup of coffee in your hand. But if all those things are weighing heavily on you, you're not going to be able to enjoy the stillness. With everything... Out of all those things that I mentioned and the way that our minds race, the way that, that our attitudes just kind of have to go from this to that to everything else. God's been really challenging me this week to just go back and to be still. Psalm 46 says this. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. In the Passion Translation, it says it this way. 
surrender your anxiety. Be silent and stop your striving, and you will see that I am God. I am the God above all the nations, and I will be exalted throughout the whole earth. See, that word, when it says be still, it actually means give up. Give up your worries. Give up everything. Give up your words. It says be silent and stop your striving. The Hebrew word there is actually means to just stop. A lot of us, I think, we can look at that and we go, yeah, so-and-so just needs to stop. Instead of looking at ourselves and go, who, what areas do I need to stop? Where do I need to quit striving? Now, I'm not talking about being lazy. Please understand me. But I'm talking about those areas where you're just doing nothing but spinning your wheels out of the sake of stubbornness instead of just giving up in that moment to let God show up as God. You see, we have to learn how to be still. Anybody who's had kids knows that you have to teach your child to be still, right? My daughter was easier to teach to be still than my son. Even still, it's something that we're working on. My wife would probably argue it's something that I am working on. (laughs) But I think that there are four primary areas in our lives that we need to learn how to still. The first one is, is that we need to still our emotions. So what does that mean to actually still your emotions? Uh, The reality is, is that so many times we allow our emotions to dictate our decisions. Right? We just do. We like to sit there and say, I don't do that, but we do. We allow our emotions to get the better of us. And how many of us make good decisions When you're at an emotional state, good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, but when you're at a really highly charged emotional state, we rarely ever make good decisions. I remember after we had the kids, they, they they came and the doctor came in and talked to us and they're like, listen, especially after our first one, because we didn't know what we were doing at all. I was like, I can't believe you're letting me carry this baby home with me. You know I mean? And just kind of, but the doctor said, Hey, for the next three months, do not make any big decisions. And I'm like, that's dumb. She's like, no, listen, you're going to be exhausted. You're going to be emotional. You're going to be worn out. You need to make sure that you guys don't make any big decisions for about three months. And I'm like, this woman doesn't know who she's talking to. This is fine. No problem. About a weekend, I'm like, oh, my God, what have we done? You know, I mean, it's like, oh, man, I don't know how to do this. And it's a good thing that we didn't make any big decisions in those moments. Because my emotions would have gotten the best of me. Our emotions are great passengers in the vehicle. They are terrible drivers. Think about it. It's great to have the emotions in the car with you. Woo, yeah, man, this is great. This is fun. Woo, that was kind of scary. Oh, man, that was a little different. But I'm not going to let my emotions drive the car because that's going to produce something terrible. In Psalm 131, verse 2, says this, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul 
within me. Here the writer is telling God that he has quieted his own soul in his presence and he's content. The Passion Translation that we read just a few minutes ago, it says, you know, it actually starts with surrender your anxiety. And this is how you still your emotions. You say, okay, God, you know that I'm feeling this way, but I'm going to give it to you. God, my my emotions are way out of control. And I'm just going to give it to you. I have to learn how to still my emotions. The The second thing that we have to do is we have to learn how to still our mind. For some of us, this might be the hardest one. Because I, I think that, that a lot of us, we'll just say that we know people. We're not those people, but we know people, right? Who just overthink everything. And their minds are constantly going all the time. I say, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And my mind just goes, Phew. and all of a sudden I've looked at everything that, you know, here, here it is where it's, I'm going, okay, this is what I need to do. But now here's, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and I've let my mind just run away with me. We have to learn how to still our mind. How many times has something happened to you and you immediately start thinking about bad things? I mean, or maybe you know somebody who does. It's not you, but you know somebody who does, right? Maybe it's the bad stuff about the person who just said something to you. Or maybe you heard something on the news and it made your mind just start racing. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Maybe you just can't seem to focus when you need to focus. And you're just going, I don't even know what to do. And I bet this and I bet this. And oh my gosh, and my mind's just going. And what we have to do in those moments is we have to learn how to still our mind. And the great thing is, is that the Apostle Paul tells us how to do that in 2 Corinthians. He says, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and breaks through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. This is how we do it. Every time all those things begin to start making our our, our thoughts just run wild. We have to take every thought captive and surrender it to the authority of Christ. I love the way that it says it here because it says we capture like a prisoner of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Imagine how much better our thought life would be if we just did this one verse. I mean, think about it. If we just began to put this into practice, how much better would our thought life be? Now, some of us go, oh, I mean, my thought life, isn't, is, is, it isn't real. Okay, but thoughts become attitudes and attitudes become actions. They just do. The great thing is, is that so often, even the good things, we need to take them and surrender them to God and say, God, I, I, this is awesome, but I just want to give it to you. 
Because when we're doing that, we are showing that we are not the Lord of that area of our life. We are reminding ourselves that Jesus is king, not me. And this is something that, that oftentimes I've known a lot of people, and even in my own life, this happens when I try to pray. I'm like, okay, I just need to pray about this. And, and I'm going to start praying about this. And as soon as I start to pray about something, it's always amazing to me how when I start praying about something, I start thinking about something else. God, I really want you to touch this situation. Oh, man, I hope we're having roast for lunch. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> right? <laughs> and in those moments... Sometimes minutes pass before I'm like, what was I even doing? I'm like, why am I thinking about race cars? Like, this doesn't even make any sense. And in those moments, you grab it. You take that thought, ah, God, now I remember I was praying a minute ago. God, please forgive me for allowing my mind to wander. And I'm going to bring it back here. And I'm going to surrender all those thoughts to you. That's how we still our mind. Remember when we're praying that prayer is a, should be a two-way conversation. Not just an opportunity for me to go and air my grievances. It's not Festivus. All right. We got a couple Seinfeld fans. I appreciate it. So, but the third point after, after you still those other things is we have to still our heart. The next thing you can do is it's not just stilling my mind. It's not just stilling my emotions. I have to still my heart. You see, stilling your heart or your spirit often means that you have to actually let God be God. Psalm 37, 3 through 7 says this. Keep trusting in the Lord and do what is right in his eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God and you will be secure. Feasting on his faithfulness. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life. And he will provide you for what you desire the most. Give God the right to direct your life. And as you trust him along the way, you'll find that he pulled it off perfectly. He will appear as your righteousness, as sure as the dawning of a new day. He will manifest as your justice, as sure and strong as of the noonday sun. Quiet your heart in his presence and pray. Keep hope alive as you long for God to come through for you. And don't think for a moment that the wicked in their prosperity are better off than you. Quiet your heart in his presence and pray. Keep hope alive. You know, how, you know how, how you still your heart? It's by surrendering it to him. That's how we do it. Our hearts can be very troubled because of what's happening around us. Maybe it's things within our own family. Maybe it's things at work. Maybe it's just things in the earth. It doesn't really matter, but our hearts can become very, very troubled because of all those things. But it doesn't have to be. If we will just learn how to quiet our heart in his presence and pray and keep hope alive as we long for God to come through for us, it will change everything.
Jesus even tells us in John chapter 14, verse 1, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. The way that that is actually phrased there in the Greek, he, he says, he says, you've already been trusting in God, now trust in me. And he tells them, don't let your hearts be troubled. You see, when we trust in him, our heart and our spirit knows that everything is going to be all right. It's always easy to trust God until we actually have to trust God. Right? I mean, it just is. And I know I say that a lot. And people are like, yeah, Chris, you say it all the time. Because it's true. God, I'm going to trust you as long as we can do it all my way and in my time. But if you want your heart to not be troubled, if you want your heart to be still, we actually have to say, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to let you do this the way you want to do it. In the time that you want to do it. With the people who you want it to be done with. Even if all those things are things that I dislike completely. I'm going to choose to trust you. The last one this morning is that we need to Still ourselves. Still your body. This one is definitely the hardest one for me. I cannot sit still to save my life. I mean, I just have to be doing something. If I'm sitting on, I mean, I can watch a movie or something like that, but if I'm not doing that, I've got to be up doing something. If I'm not doing something for a while, Chrissy's always like, you okay? And I'm like, I don't know. It's weird. Because they just do all the time. But I have to learn how to still myself. See, the Bible tells us that rest and the rest for our physical bodies is absolutely imperative. The Bible actually tells us to take a day of rest. Now we sit there and, I mean, it's amazing. That is one of the Ten Commandments. We know that, right? But for some reason, we make it be one of the, a suggestion and not a commandment. Yeah, don't murder. I got that one. Don't steal. Okay. Yeah, don't commit adultery. All right. No problem. Don't lie. I'm, I'm working on it. Okay. Take a day of rest. Keep it Sabbath. That's not really God. Because we as Americans love to work all the time. We love to overwork. We like people to see how busy we are because that means we're doing something. But we need to learn how to actually be still. Did you know that, you know, on, on, in six days, God created the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested. Do you know what that word for rested is? He took a breath. For six days, God exhaled. And on the seventh day, he breathed in. How many of us need to just take a breath and breathe in? How many of us are so busy doing good things that we wear ourselves out and we don't say, okay, God, I know this was a good thing, but is this a God thing? Because I need to learn how to rest in these areas. The Bible actually tells us 
in Exodus 14, 14, it says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So often, I think, at least for me, the reason why this is so hard is because as much as I say that, man, God, I trust you to do all these things, I don't really trust him to do it if I'm not helping. And by helping, being in control is what I really mean. That God says, hey, I want to fight for you, but in this moment, I just need you to be still. Another version actually says, I need you to stay silent. That could be a whole other sermon in itself. We're not going to go there, but God tells you to shut up. No, I mean, say, you know, but. But we have to allow Him to do what He wants to do. And that means that we actually sometimes just need to sit on our hands and just go, okay, God, I'm going to trust you that you can do this. So then, I mean, the question becomes then, why are these things so important? Because in the stillness is when God often speaks. Maybe I should rephrase that because we could easily argue that God is always speaking. So maybe a better way to say that would be that in the stillness is when we silence ourselves enough to hear what God is saying. Elijah in the Bible, he had this happen to him. The story of Elijah was is that God had, had told him, he's like, hey, he's like, Elijah, I need you to go up and I need you to destroy these prophets of Baal who had taken over the entire country and they were doing all these terrible things and they were creating this, this false religion. And there had been a famine in the area for years. And Elijah, hearing God's voice, went out and he confronted them and he says, I'm going to put my God up against your God. Come on, King Ahab, let's see what your guys have because I know who my God is. And then the fire of God falls whenever Elijah calls for the fire of God to fall and it burns up all these offerings out of thin air. My favorite part of that story is it was after he'd already mocked all the other gods for a long time. It was great. Because he was so confident in who God was. But then right after that happens, he has this incredible victory. And he's like, yes, I have done this. God has done this through me. And look at this. God is going to bring revival to this area. Immediately after that, Queen Jezebel comes back to town, who kind of ruled the roost. And she gets mad about it anyway. And then she says, I'm coming after you, Elijah. So Elijah just had this amazing encounter with God. And then he gets terrified and he runs off into the desert. Because she said, I'm going to kill you. And he said, I believe her. And so he took off and ran. And after he did this, he ran and he he found himself in this cave. He found himself on on the side of the mountain in, in this cave. And he was just exhausted. And God says to him, Elijah, what are you doing? And he goes, God, I just did everything you told me to do. And now she's trying to kill me. And God says, all right. Time out for a second. You need a nap and you need to eat something. I'm serious. Read the story. A lot can be solved in our lives if we will take a nap and eat something. All right. And so, but so he does, he wakes up, he eats, 
And then he says he took another nap. Because at that moment, Elijah had allowed his emotions and everything else to become so overextended that he was at a place where he did not know what else to do. Have any of us ever been there? And then he wakes up and he hears something. And we'll start there in 1 Kings 19. He hears God say, Go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him, and Elijah stood there. The Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? You see, Elijah had had all these incredible experiences with God. He had seen God as a wind. He had seen God as the one who shakes the earth. And he had seen God just days before answering fire. But in this moment, God was not doing any of that. God was saying, Elijah, what I need you to do is I need you to be still and come close to me so you can hear what I have to say. The reason why stillness is so important is because we have to be able to learn how to hear his voice when there's chaos going on around us. Nothing matters more in our lives than knowing the word of God and being able to hear his voice because that is what the foundation of everything that we have to walk into, that is where the foundation belongs, is in his word and knowing his voice. That's why stillness is so important. We have to give him all those things. Be still and know that he is God. This week is Thanksgiving week. A lot of us are going to be seeing friends and family. We're going to be spending some time with people who maybe we don't see all the time. Some of those things might bring excitement and joy to us. Some of those things might bring anxiety to us. That's okay. That's part of life. Don't let it keep you hidden away. Learn how to be still and overcome. In these areas and in these things, we can sit there and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be still and I'm going to know that you are God. I'm going to trust you in my heart. I'm going to trust you in my emotions. I'm going to trust you in my thoughts. I'm going to trust you even with my being. And God, I just want to be still before you. I want to challenge us all this week. Find at least one thing to be thankful for and find at least one area to be still. Start teaching yourself how to still those troubled areas of your life. For some of us, it's it's going to be different than it is for others, and that's okay. You might sit there and think, you know what? They don't even struggle with anxiety, and I'm just riddled with it. Okay. Now you know where you can ask God to help you be still. I'm going to have to learn how to sit down a little bit this week, and I will try my best. And I can't just use, you know, the Cowboys game as an excuse on Thursday. Well, I'm, I'm just being still. That's not what I'm talking about, all right? And 
I want us to be present in the moments. Take the time to rest and to be still. Now, if you're a parent that doesn't give you the excuse to just ignore your children, I'm just trying to be still. That's not what I'm saying. If you're married, I'm not saying, guys, go out to the garage. I just got to be still for a while. No, that's not what I'm saying. Be present in the moment with the people who you know and who you love. Ask God to bring that stillness to you. He wants to meet us in a new way. But we have to be willing to do our part as well and say, okay, God, I, I will be still in these areas. Does that make sense this morning? I, I hope it gave us a little bit of practicality to this as well. When you find your mind racing and wandering, bring it back. Nope, God, forgive me. I'm going to take that thought captive. When you find your body just doing things for the sake of doing things, oh, God, forgive me. I'm going to be still. When I'm allowing my heart to be troubled by whatever it is that's going on, God, forgive me. I'm choosing to be still. When I allow my emotions to get the best of me because crazy uncle so-and-so said something else. No, I'm going to, God, forgive me for allowing my emotions to go crazy and I'm going to be still. Be still and know that he is God. If he is God, it means you are not God. So sometimes, all the time, we just need to remind ourselves, I'm going to be still so that I know he is God. Amen? Let's stand. We're going to pray and be dismissed. Guys, we'll have people up here who would love to pray with you if you need prayer for anything this morning. Uh, we also have snacks in the back. Stick around and get, get to know people if you, if you would like to as well. Father, we love you and we thank you. God, I just, I just ask that you would just begin to reveal to us. Holy Spirit, just begin to reveal to us the areas of our lives where we need to be still. God, so that we can appreciate the stillness that is there. God, even Jesus modeled it himself where he went out and he would, he would just get away so he could be still in your presence. So God, we just ask you to forgive us for all those areas of our lives that we haven't trusted you. And God, we just want to give them to you. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, you're dismissed. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Have a wonderful week. Uh, we will see you all next Sunday.